Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to All Stats, Aren't We? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Oldson and today I'm joined by Martin Riley. Martin, how are you? I'm doing okay. I've been on the recovery from some sort of bug illness, a cold bug illness. I don't think it's quite COVID because I'm on the recovery quite quickly, um, but it just totally wiped me out yesterday. And But yeah, I'm on the recovery today, which is good. I'm able to talk about Leeds with you, which is great. Yeah, glad to hear you're feeling better. Just We would have had a bit of an issue. Um, obviously, the review is, isn't out yet, but by the time you listen to this, it probably will be. And we were, we're struggling for numbers as it is. And if you'd have dropped out, we'd have definitely had an issue. So glad to hear you're feeling better. Thank you. I was I was actually off work as well yesterday, oh, yeah. um, so with a bit of a headache. So I've, it sounds like we were we were all struggling a bit yesterday. I think, Indeed, I think Adam mentioned that he was feeling a bit rough yesterday as well, but for reasons that I have no sympathy for, which you'll find out on the review podcast. Indeed. So we're here today to talk about the Bristol City game. Um, so we played them on Saturday, and last week I spoke to Dave Featherstone from Fev Football about what we should expect from Bristol City. Dave, hi, how are you? I'm well, Tom. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, long-term listeners of um, All Stats Are We will know that you have been on our pod before, uh, back when Leeds were last in the Championship. And I guess a, for a lot of fans, that might be the last time they checked in with Bristol City. So, how have things been in the last few years for you guys? Um, I guess they've been they've been quite tough, really. I guess coming off the back of the end of COVID and posting rather large losses, um, we've been. In a pretty much a rebuild for the last kind of two and a half, three seasons, really, and we've been offloading a, a bloated squad on big contracts, and gradually, you know, with the um, Nigel Pearson coming into the club, we've then started to rebuild a, a side more in his kind of making, really, a, a younger side in the main, uh, coupled with some experienced players. Um, but yeah, and I think this is the first summer we've really gone out there and been able to probably go and get players that we're really after rather than kind of making do. So we're kind of quite positive at the moment, but it's been a been a, been a tough two and a half years, I think. 
Yeah, we, uh, like you mentioned there, we're close enough to the closure of the transfer window that is still fresh in everyone's mind. So h- how was the window for you and which signings were you most happy with? I, I guess from a, an incoming point of view, pretty good because I say we've been kind of, I guess, living off scraps really in the, in the, the previous uh, windows that Nigel's been here. Um, we've managed to bring in five players and kind of hot off the press. We've, we've brought in a sixth today, but um, I, I think really? that's more of a backup. I'll talk about that in, in, a, in a second. But we, we kind of started off the window pretty well, getting in a guy called Ross McCrory from, from Aberdeen, who's a Scottish international. Unfortunately, he's not played yet. He's had a, an infection and he's had to have an operation. So we've not seen him yet, but he'll, he'll come in and predominantly play at right back, but he's quite versatile in playing the back four or in centre midfield. We got Rob Dickey from from QPR, um, which was probably a bit of a, a coup, and I think a bit of a surprise as well. I think it kind of is in his availability become of in, um, become known to us, and we kind of swoop quite quickly. I guess QPR needing to raise some some transfer revenue themselves, and he didn't want to sign a contract, so we we got him at a, a fairly sensible price. Picked up a a young lad from Brighton who'd been on loan at Derby, Hayden Roberts, who looks a real quality player. Unfortunately for him. He's having to battle out at left back with Cameron Pring, um, who's a really kind of solid left back. So he's kind of he's getting some minutes, but he's he's kind of featured in cup games previously and, and not not starting the league as yet. And then really, I guess my my kind of number one signing that I wanted over the summer, and most Bristol City fans will will, will know I'm kind of massively hot on him was uh, Jason Knight from Derby, which I yeah. thought was a real coup for us to get someone of that that calibre. Um, I guess if Derby had come up last season, we probably wouldn't have got him. But we we kind of bided our time over the summer and eventually got him just before we went off on our pre-season tour. And then as the season started, um, just for a bit of depth, we brought in Taylor Gardner-Hickman from West Brom on loan um, with an option to buy. All the signs look pretty positive with him that we'll probably try and make that sign in permanent in, in January rather than wait till next summer. Um, he, looks, he looks really good as well. And then today we've signed a... A goalie uh, called Lewis Thomas, who was out of contract in previously at Forest Green Rovers, but pretty much as a backup because our third choice keeper has uh, just picked up an injury. So um, yeah, from an incoming point of view, it's been been pretty positive, and you know we start to see what we're trying to do. Players with kind of a bit of power and pace and a bit of physicality as well, which is probably where we've been lacking. Um, but I guess you know right. Killing your next question, the outgoings is probably our slightly disappointing one. So I'll, I'll let you fire away on that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, straight on to my next question. So, the, the, discussing the departures, there's there's a pretty big standout one, isn't there, in Alex Scott? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you can't deny the, the lad the opportunity. He, he's, you know, he's just a quality player, you know, certainly at championship level. Probably some people might not have him on his radar because he's not got tons of goals and assists, but He's been best when he's played a little bit deeper for us, and he's been our our player to be able to get the ball forward in in, in the previous kind of season and a, and a half. And yeah, you know, we've got somewhere between twenty and twenty five million for him, and that can't be sniffed at. I think as a fan base, we were a little bit disappointed because we thought that would then give us opportunity to go out there and strengthen. And I don't think any of us thought we'd go out there and spend lots, but we thought we might get you know another one or two in the mould of, of Jason Knight, and that would really probably compete, complete the squad. But the owner said, no, you're not spending any more of it. And I guess the disappointment was we sold Antoine Semenya to Bournemouth um, last winter, and we thought the money we got for him was financing the summer recruitment, and it appears that that's not the case and the budget's not there to do anything else. So I guess a bit of a kind of 
dark cloud on that on that cell. And we we also got rid of a couple of other players who'd uh, who'd been here for a while. So we we lost Thomas Callis, who was out of contract, um, and he's he's recently signed for Schalke. Hanno Masengo, who I really liked and disappointed he's gone. He's just pick, been picked up by Burnley. And then Jada Silva has gone to Coventry. Um, I don't think we honestly expected any of them to stay, but I think that's we just lost a bit of depth as well. And in, probably in Thomas Callis, we've lost a, a kind of first-team starter as well. I guess that's probably why Rob Dick is coming. So a bit tinged with a bit of sadness, really. On Scott, I actually think he could have gone up, from what I'd seen, a level higher than he did. I think it's almost like you could see him quickly making that jump in a year or two to one of the bigger clubs so um yeah he was, he was that good and I, I can imagine that you were gutted about that one yeah I think the, the I guess there was the question for him was does he want to go somewhere as a stepping stone like Bournemouth or as you say does he want to go and go you know perhaps a top half side you know and uh, you know, putting names out there someone like a, a Villa a Newcastle someone like that where he might have got game time there and you know in a year's time suddenly he's starting I certainly think he's got the ability to to, to play Premier League football. Unfortunately, he's gone there with an injury, so we haven't seen him yet, but it looks like he's on the way back. So hopefully it won't be too long before we get to see him in a, a Bournemouth shirt. With all that in mind then, do you feel the squad's at a good level? And uh, do you, are you, what are your expectations for the season uh, based on where the squad's at? I think since Nigel Pearson's come, you know, as I say, he's been kind of about trimming the squad. So we're still a fairly small in numbers squad. Um, I think Nigel made a comment the other week that we're, we're more even in ability now. So... We've probably got a bit more depth, but we've probably got a little less star quality as well. So, you know, if you lose people like Alex Scott and Antoine Semenyo out of your team, then, you know, you're not going to go out and replace them like for like, or certainly not going to go out and bring anyone better in than, than, than those two. So it's probably been a bit more of a kind of evening out of the, of the squad. And I think we are stronger. I think when, when Ross McCrory comes back in at, at, at right back, that will strengthen us. We've had Tommy Conway out since the early weeks of the season as well. And, you know, to, to Leeds fans who've not seen him, he's kind of, he's a bit of a Jamie Vardy type character. So you can right, see okay. why Nigel Pearson thinks a lot of him. And he's, he's just come, come back into training. So whether we'll see him before the Leeds game or not, maybe not. Probably after the international break, we might see him again. But he was our top scorer overall, though Naki Wells was our top league scorer last season. But, Tommy only played about thirty games, so yeah, he's a real, real bright talent as well. So we're, I think generally we're we're pretty positive, and you know we sit here in the ninth position at the moment, thinking actually that's that's not bad. I think we've had a tough start as well, so I, I think we're we're positive. I think you know we're, whether we're a playoff team or not, I think will depend on how how much that squad depth gets stretched over the over the course of the season. And certainly when you're playing you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, that's when it will tell. But hopefully most of our injuries will start coming back after the after the break. And we've had a few long term as well that and that will stand us hopefully in good stead for the rest of the season. So yeah, pretty positive really. Yeah, you see, let's talk about those results a bit then. So the season I think well you, you stay in ninth and you seem quite positive, but there's been a bit of mixed results so far. I guess just look, I mean, a quick scan on them. So how do you feel about the results and the performances so far? I think some of it's come about because I think the first few games at home, we didn't win at home in the first three um, and we and we didn't and we didn't play particularly well, but we played well away from home. So I think, you know, the, the general noise of, you know, the bulk of fans watching home games are a little bit disappointing. Whereas if you'd gone away from home, you probably think actually we've played some really good football in those. And I think partly as well, when you start off with Preston, Millwall and Birmingham, and for Bristol City, those three teams I always see as kind of spoilers. Yeah, they're teams that really want to disrupt the opposition, and then you know they'll punish you off the back of that. And we kind of start our first three games against those, and we I guess we got a draw against Preston, which is more than most sides have got this season. We 
we beat Millwall away, which was a fantastic result. And then we lost at home to Birmingham and really masters of our own downfall in that. We, the number of balls we gave gave away playing out from the back, which is probably not like us. We tended to be a little bit more direct than that and kind of bypass, you know, team's press. And we got caught and we got punished and there was kind of no way back for that. And then since, since then, we went kind of a, a good draw away at Hull, who were, what, they fourth at the moment. Um, they're probably one of the best sides I've seen with the ball this season. And uh, they're really, although they don't look very good without it, I didn't think, I thought we, we looked like scoring quite regularly against them, but they, they created a lot of chances too. One at Swansea, which is probably, most people have done that. And then we drew West Brom were decent. And then we stuffed Plymouth, who then went and stuffed, stuffed Norwich. So, <laughs> it's, you know, that's kind of championship all told. And then we lost to Leicester last week, who overall were the best side I've seen this season. So, Yeah, it's, 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 you, the, way, the way you've talked about some of the teams then kind of lines up with what I've seen as a Leeds fan of those teams as well so yeah it's, it's nice to know that we're, we're seeing the same things and they're not we're not seeing one thing one week and one thing the next week but that is just the beauty of the championship isn't it yeah definitely yeah you, you don't get certainly as a, a middle league club like like ourselves I don't think we go into any game expecting to get three points I think it's always you know if we play well we've got a chance if we play badly we'll lose you know and ultimately you know fall somewhere in, in, in the middle you know we've got we've got Stoke tomorrow um, and you know the form guy would probably say we're favourites, but it just doesn't work like that in a championship, and it certainly doesn't work for us against a, a manager like Alex Neil, who's probably had the kind of hoodoo over us since since he took Preston up, and, and we went up in the same season all those years back. So, yeah, we don't take anything for granted. Leeds maybe have a bit more option to 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 do that. Yeah, um, I, I don't think we do to be honest after after some of our years of the championship. Let, let's talk about Nigel Pearson now. So he's been your, your manager for, for quite a while. What what are Bristol City's fans' general opinion on him and how he manages the team? I, I think it's changed, and and I think it's changed fairly recently as well. I think a lot of fans were, I don't know, quite against him because I think when he when he came in, obviously we, as I mentioned earlier, we were struggling financially. He was trying to change the squad round. We were on a bad run when he came in. We got a couple of results, which basically secured our safety really early in the twenty twenty one season, and then we went on a horrible run. While he, I think he kind of experimented, knowing that the squad. A lot of them were out of contract in the summer, and it was like, which ones do I want to keep? Started playing a lot of the kids, and we kind of petered away in the season and finished quite lowly. And then since then, I think people haven't really grasped how difficult it's been, and you know how many players we've lost, you know, and senior players, and had to replace them and play play the the, the academy kids. And that's been you know a, a great credit to him that he's been willing to give the academy kids a go and, and keep our costs down. And I think this season. There's a bit of optimism, a few decent signings, as I said, coupled with the the academy players that we've got. And then the owner coming out and saying, you're not spending any money. And I think that's kind of flipped flipped a lot of fans around to actually kind of a bit of siege mentality and getting behind Nigel Pearson. Because I think a lot of people were quite mixed about him, you know, and there, there was a, a few things. We signed Danny Simpson um, back in the kind of first season and he'd had a bit of a domestic issue and a lot of fans turned on that against Nigel Pearson saying oh you shouldn't be signing a player like that and that seemed to really cloud people's judgment and I think over time he's gradually kind of worn them down and I think I think that culture of a, of a, of a Bristol City team that we've not really had for a long time of one that actually is competitive one will kind of fight for the shirt we've always been known a bit of like cosy club at Bristol City where you know your aging players will come for a you know a good wage at the end of their career and he's changed all of that, and we do actually look 
a competitive squad now and, and, a, and a squad that'll, you know, run through brick walls for each other. So I think he's kind of turned that mentality against fans. I don't think they were like anti Nige or, or anything like that, but I think a lot of people took a lot of convincing about whether he was the right man and should stay in place. You know, even as much as a year ago, people were kind of calling for him to be out. Small minority, but I think most of those have probably turned their view now. Let's get into his tactics a bit then. So how how do Bristol City build attacks when in settled possession? Well, I guess the big thing is we, we've changed from, say, 18 months ago or even, even a year ago, where we were very much a, a counter-attacking side. Uh, season before uh, last, we were playing with Chris Martin, Antoine Semenyo, and Andy Vyman. Just in behind, it was literally a three-man attack, and, and it, it worked pretty well. Um, but since probably last Christmas, and probably coinciding with a little bit of moving away from playing with a back three to moving to a back four, we've started to become less counter-attacking and, and more possession. But by no means are we a, a team that control possession or anything like that. We're, we're very much in transition from a transition side to a, to a possession side. Um, and therefore, we're still finding our way a little bit. And last season at the end, we didn't score a lot of goals and we were very much forced to play round the wings, really, and go down the sides of the, of the pitch. And this season, we're just starting to kind of mobilise and be able to play through the centre a bit. So we've, we've become, we're, it's, it's, it's not an easily defined attacking system at the moment. And I think some of that depends on what team we're playing against and what system they're playing as well. I think we've struggled a little bit, as I said, against the, the big ugly teams. But we've also struggled a little bit against those teams that, that play back three because we're playing a, a front three. And, and typically our full or wide forwards play pretty wide. Yeah. And that's left our central striker quite isolated. And we've not been able to play through the middle, but we've also probably congested a little bit, certainly down the left-hand side with Campering, who was bombing on lots when we were playing playing him as a wing-back. And now he's got sort of someone in front of him as a, as a you know, the, the opposition right winger or right midfielder. But he's also got his own left forward and their right-back in the way as well. So we're still trying to find little ways through at the moment in terms of, you know, if we can't go down the outside, how do we play through the middle? And the big difference we've got in, in if we want to play through the middle is we've got Carl Naismith at centre-back, who's a really good passer in terms of breaking through the lines. And when we can get him on the ball and he can then get the likes of Jason Knight on the half turn, then that's when we've started to be able to play through the middle. But I wouldn't say we have one way of playing. I think it's a, a little bit more off the cuff than, you know, patterns of play like say someone like a whole play where you can just sit and watch them and say well I know where all their players are going to be here and this is what they're going to do playing out from the keeper we do play out from the keeper but we might then quickly go a little bit more direct when we we haven't found a way through we're not an imaginative side as such and what about when the opposition has the ball then we're again very much dependent on on who we're playing I think you know we everyone talks about playing a you know high press football and I think against the the, the non-top sides, then I think we do try and press and we do try and pinch the ball high up. But against the better sides, we tend to fall into a bit of a mid-block. When Nigel Pearson first came here, we were so easy, or we made it so easy for the opposition to be able to get to the halfway line and then you know do whatever they wanted from there. Now we make it harder for them to get there. So we you know typically, you know, someone like Jason Knight, he'll he'll find that little kind of gap between you know both midfields to kind of shut down uh, passing lanes. Um, so we're, we we try and make teams go around the outside of it. Um, but we came massively unstuck last week against Leicester, who had Ricardo right back, who was playing like Man City's, what's his name? Is it, is it 
Rico Lewis, Rico Lewis who was yeah. playing. Yeah. yeah, he was just inverting, and we didn't really find a way of dealing with that. You know, typically our left forward could have followed him inside, but then they'd have just had an easy route down to the right winger in in uh, Fatawu, um, and and you know he'd have been one on one against Campering all afternoon. So yeah, we didn't quite work that out. So if if you can somehow find a way of getting Luke Aylin to stand in the middle of the pitch in a in a week's <laughs> in a week's time and, and and leave space for whoever's playing down the right, whether it's Dan James or um, who's the who's the other young, young left, probably playing yeah, the right for something us, like yeah. that. Then yeah, you, that might be a route. I don't, I'm not sure that that's typically the way the way you play, but yeah, I think we're against the, the better sides. We'll probably just drop off a little bit. We don't want to go too deep, but we'll we'll try and block passing lanes rather than try and trigger presses and pinch the ball up and we did get a little bit caught in the open 20 minutes against Hull thinking we could trigger the press off the keepers pass into the centre backs in the midfield and they picked us off and once we kind of dropped in a bit they ran out of ideas a little bit and that's when we kind of came into the ascendancy so yeah it's a bit of a I think we're all over the pitch we're a bit of a a mixture at the moment. I don't think there's a true defined style for Bristol City, although it's it's certainly no longer a counter attacking side like it was. With all that in mind, then who who would you say are the players that are most important to the way you play? Or I guess if because you mentioned that there isn't like a defined style of play at the moment, who would you say say are the players that'll be most important for you to get a result against Leeds? I think probably the two I mentioned earlier, Naismith. If we're going to try and get any possession against yourself and you know and beat your your press, then it'll be getting Cal Naismith on the ball and being able to get the ball into into midfield against players who can then face up your 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 midfield. And it, but if we can't do that, then I think it'll predominantly be can we get Cam Pring forward down the left hand side? We're a little bit lopsided in that we we got a lad at right back called George Tanner who's probably more of a defensive fullback. So we do play a little bit lopsided. So we'll 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 create a lot more attacks or the start of attacks down the left hand side. We might then come back in field and then open out to to Mark Sykes, uh, who's our kind of right winger, and he quite often gets in at the far post, or he might get in on the back of a one on one, and he'll tend to play a little bit inverted as well. Um, so he kind of he probably gets close to Naki Wells if, if at all possible, and that's probably the other key thing is if we're going to do well against you, we can't leave Naki Wells um, isolated. Whenever he gets left on his own, he'll work hard, but he needs someone around him, and typically when Sykes and Bell have got close to him over the games when we've we've managed to create a lot because you know he's got someone who can you know get on the end of little flicks or just you know half clearances by defenders. So yeah, those are probably the the main things. And I guess if we do want to pinch the ball higher up, then it's Jason Knight. He's our kind of pressing monster if we if we get the opportunity to do it. Leeds have been looking to keep hold of the ball more under Daniel Farker, but have been vulnerable at times in transition. So with that in mind, and you've you kind of hinted this in your previous answers, but how would you expect the game to go? Yeah, I think if we do manage to turn you over in, in midfield or, you know, if we're pressing back then, we've really got Sam Bell, who's like lightning um, on the left side. And we've got Mark Sykes, who, who likes to, you know, find that little gap in between the, the, the fullback and the and the left centre-back and, you know, feed off through balls there. That'll be our, our route. Naki Wells, I guess, in some respects, probably does a lot of work so that those two can find find spaces. So I think that's what we'd, we'd look to do is, is look to spring those guys quite early and quite a few of our goals this season have come from pinching the ball off an opposition attack even if it's in our you know our own third and then and then going from there so if you're a bit open to transition then that's probably going to be our best way of of, of, of you know 
uh, getting getting chances off you. So that's, I guess, encouraging for us if you do play like that. So um, at this point, I will note that we are recording on the Friday before, so the 29th of September. So there is a game before, is it, is it two games actually? Two, two yeah. yeah. So um, I think with the, the quick turnaround of the championship, we've had to do the interview now. So I guess the next question might be a bit tricky, but do you have any notable injuries or suspensions ahead of the game? So I guess the, the main injury, as I mentioned earlier, is, is, is Tommy Conway in terms of someone we, we, we'd hope to have been available this season. We've got a couple of other long-term injuries. So with Rob Atkinson, our centre-back, um, did his ACL back in about February, March time. He's just kind of started doing a bit of light training now. He'll probably be back around about Christmas. Um, and, and another young lad, Eamon Benarus, who probably before Alex Scott burst on the scene, was probably tipped in our academy as being the next Alex Scott before Alex Scott actually arrived. So <laughs> he, he's done his AC. Unfortunately, he's done it twice in the last 18 months. So we're really, really worried. But he's just, he's played the odd under 21 games. I've picked up a couple of little like, hamstring strains or whatever. He, he, he won't be back as well. So I don't think there'll be anyone other than Tommy Conway who might feature off the bench against yourself. We, we've got Rotherham away uh, next Wednesday. I think a few of us were debating whether City might actually stay up in, in Yorkshire. Uh, rather than come back and then have to go all the way up to Leeds again on the on the on the Friday or Saturday. So yeah, quick turnaround. I'm not quite sure who you've got next next week in, in midweek. So we've got QPR. I think we're at home in the week. Yes, yeah. So yeah, might be two back to back home games, which is much nicer than the two back to back away games we had to do in the last uh, quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'd be. I, I I don't think we're expecting anyone back other than other than Tommy. Um, so the the side won't. The side pretty much picks itself. You know, within. 13 or 14 players there's not a lot of, of options there's quite a few you know we've had quite a few kids on the bench as well filling spaces to some extent um, but yeah we're, we're kind of coping reasonably well at the moment in terms of the, the players that we need to be fit the experienced players like the you know the Dickies Naismiths Matty James in the centre midfield are all, are all keeping fit so the core is, is, is quite good at the moment Could you give us your best guess at the lineup for the game then? Yeah I think I think It'll probably be Max O'Leary in goal, George Tanner at right back, Rob Dickey and Cal Naismith as centre backs, Campering at left back, Matty James will play as kind of number six, and then whether we might play two number sixes um, with someone like Joe Williams, or we might play Williams as an eight and a Knight as an eight in front of him. So we, we flip between a bit of a four one two three or a four two one three, depending on how Knight and Williams play and sometimes in the same game they're kind of that they're playing you know alternate roles as well so it'll be a midfield three in whatever combination of James Knight and Williams there's a possibility Taylor Gardner Hickman might replace depending on uh, Joe Williams workload he's had up until this season he's had kind of like three years of hamstring problems with us Um, so everything kind of when it's you know Saturday Tuesday Saturday everyone's worried about his workload so he might miss out next Next Saturday, maybe Taylor Gardner-Hickman will come into centre midfield. And then up front, it will be Sykes, Wells and, and Bell as, our, as, as the three. The other option potentially is Cornick could start down the middle as a, a bit of a kind of, not battering ram as such, but player who plays a bit off the cuff and will just put your defenders under under pressure. And he's a bit bit unorthodox in the way he plays. But he, I think from his time in Luton, he quite liked playing alongside a big man and we haven't got a big man. So... It, It'll, it'll be Wells or Cornick through, through the middle. That's probably going to be the the eleven. And we don't ask for predictions on this podcast, but what I will ask is, where will this game be won or lost? I, I think it'll be lost if we let 
and I probably won't pronounce his name right. Is it Reuter or Rutter or Reuter? We just call him Jorginho. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I think if we let him get the ball into feet and roll the, you know, the centre-back and turn and then play in other players, then I think we'll be in trouble. And I think if he's allowed to do that, then there's always a, a pretty big chance that Joel Pirro will be getting on the end of something as as, as well. Um, so I think that's my my biggest worry from your from your side. The secondary worry is Luke Aylin, although he's an ex Bristol City player, appears to have little love for us at all, and it and seems to want to do really well against us. And I know he scored against us a couple of seasons back, and you know ran off, you know, pretty pretty happy about it. And I think he always he always plays a tough game against us. So Sam Bell, our left forward. Is probably a little bit on the on the light side. So if Luke sticks one on him early, then that might be a, a, a difficult afternoon for Sam, and that might mean your right side is putting a lot of pressure on 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 Cam Pring. So that that would be that would certainly be where we lose it. I think where we might win it is if we can get Cal playing balls into midfield, and also if we can pinch the ball off off your your midfield as well, or you know as your centre backs play into midfield. So if we can put some pressure on someone like Ampadu or um, young Gray, or I'm assuming is one of the Eddie or Frank's relatives somewhere along the line. I can't remember which he one, is, one yeah. he is. Uh, yeah. Um, as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we can put a bit of pressure on, on, on those two, then, then we stand a chance. And I, I guess it, one of the things we need to do is probably keep your, your fans quiet as well. I remember a few seasons back, we went two nil, two nil up at your place. And then second half, I think your, your guys probably, Got on top early second half. Your crowd were amazing, and you know before long it was, it was two all. And to be honest, you probably should have gone on and, and won it. So we need to keep your 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 crowd quiet there. Well, thank you very much for do- uh, joining us, Dave. That was really interesting. Where, where can our listeners find your content? So I'm on Twitter or X um, under Fevs Football or at Fevs Football, which is F E V S Football. Um, and yeah, you'll find you'll find my ramblings on there. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. It was a good chat, that one. I think Dave was definitely thorough with his uh, analysis of Bristol City. What, what did you make of that one, Martin? Yeah, I would agree with that. It was very detailed in everything that he told us. It's always very useful to have guys on from opposition fans. It makes our life a lot easier to do this preview because we get all the hard work done, really. <laughs> and also some additional things which we wouldn't normally talk about, like what they've been doing over the past few years and their opinions on the manager and things like that. So it's I, I always enjoy listening to these. Yeah, it's definitely useful. Um, we've kind of started. People might not have noticed, but we've we've started doing them for like these midweek ones because it saves us time having to to, to research them. And yeah, like you say, these these fans know stuff that we w- thought we would never learn from just researching. So it's always good to have them on and get get their opinion. Indeed. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hallelujah! 
Let's do a bit of a analysis of what Dave said then. So he mentioned that he thinks that Bristol, Bristol won't press as high, as usually they go with a bit more of a mid-block against the higher teams in the division. Do you think there's any chance they might go for a higher press, given that we look quite susceptible when a team does this? I think that's quite a possibility, to be honest, because um, I, I think I mentioned before the QPR game that there was a possibility that they, they would try to press as high, and then that did actually happen during it. So I, I do think that there is a possibility that they'll see in the past few games we have been pressed, and it did interrupt the way we like to build up. So that is something which I would expect Nigel Pearson, who's an experienced manager, to pick up on um, and maybe try to implement it himself and press us a bit higher than what maybe he would do normally against a team of, of our ilk. Uh, so yeah, I do, I do think there is generally a possibility that he does decide to, to go for a more of a high press rather than the mid-block that Dave mentioned that if he feels that they'll use. Yeah, I think it might it might be a case of, uh, like like we said before the QPR game, that it might be a situational one, mm-hmm. uh, depending on... I, th- I think part of the QPR is that like it might have been a bit because they went down so early, they had to press up a bit yeah. rather than they, maybe the plan was to sit in. So it might be a, a similar um, go similar pattern to how the QPR game did if we score early, and if not, we might see them sit in. So yeah, I think I think that's definitely something we could see them do. Yeah, definitely. Which players from Bristol City do we need to look out for then, Martin? And that could be a, a good or bad as usual. Well, I think the one up front, um, Naki Wells, has always been someone who has caused us problems in the past, and. Actually, I think he was the one who scored that really dodgy handball goal um, when he was playing for yeah. um, QPR a few years back. Um, so yeah, he's always someone who has causes problems. And I'm also a big fan of Jason Knight. Uh, I think he's a very good pickup for Bristol, and he does a lot of good stuff in the midfield area, not just in the attacking area, but he's also good at pressing as well. So I think he's definitely a player who we'll have to be aware of in both assets of the game. And I think of, of their defenders, I'm quite a fan of um, Cal Naismith. I think he's a very good ball, ball playing centre back. He's got a good range of passing to him, and he's someone who they use quite often to go along when pe- when teams are pressing them. So I do think that he's another player to look out for. And on the more of the bad side of things, I think both of their full backs can be got at. Um, I think the left back Cam Pring, I think he's pretty good going forward, but I, I think. Our, our wingers should be able to exploit him defensively. He does like to get forward quite often as well. So I do think that is some some area that we would look to target behind him. So that would mean that we'd have to tr- switch things up and go for the right right midfield if he's leaving space o- over on his side. So that would be interesting to see. And also on the other side, the other fullback also isn't, isn't great defensively. I, th- I think with George Tanner, I believe, and... He's again more of a defensive minded fullback, but I did see a few times where he was beaten in the games I watched. <coughs> so I think both fullback areas is something that we can look to exploit, which is good for our wingers. Yeah, I'd agree, agree with a lot of that. And J- Jason Knight was the one that I was going to pick out. I think I've watched him a couple of times at Derby. I think he is a good player. I think, he, like um, Dave said, I think that, that they did well to pick him up, actually. I, I could have seen him going to a to a higher level, yeah. I would like him, to be honest. I think he would have done well at the top end of, the, of this this division. Um, he's been somewhat, he, obviously he's well above them, the one where Derby were, so it was natural that he was going to get picked up since Derby didn't move back to this league. So, yeah, he's definitely a good player for this division. Yeah, and then I think... In terms of other players, there wasn't really anyone that stood out to me. I think, yes, yeah, Naki Wells, as you mentioned. But 
like from a bad point of view, like I'm not the only thing I can add is that like their wingers or inside forwards, like they don't really. I can't try to remember off the top of my head who they were, but like they don't really fret, threaten me. I think or fret, fret worry me in terms of their threat. I think it's like Sam Bell and Mark Sykes. I've got written down here, but that might be from a different match. Uh, I believe it's Mark Sykes and Sam Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they even though like we can we get got in the full backs areas, especially behind the right side if Ailing's playing. Um, they don't they don't really concern me to be honest. But and then yeah, the only other player that I'd point out is probably Matty James. Just because I think he's quite quite a tidy central midfielder. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. For this level, he, he, he's very good. Yeah. So, Martin, can you see any tactical or structural change in possession for this one? No, I can't see there being any major sh- changes in the way we look to build up. Um, I think if Shackleton is still injured, I think it'll probably end up being Ailing who plays. So the way we build up will still probably say as it was in the QPR game where the Right back, Ailing will stay, stay high, and Byron will be the deeper inverted fullback, and we'll still look to attack in the same way we were with combining on, on the flanks and tr- trying to get Perot more involved. Hopefully this time, but yeah, I don't think there'll be any major. Yeah, we haven't really seen that in any game this season, have we? We've more been we've we've set up in the same way, um, built up in pretty much the same way, and then we've just kind of almost relied on our good forward players to deal with it and that some games suit them more than others like the games that are all more open they they'll look good in and then we need to rely on their individual quality in games probably like this so yeah i don't i see he doesn't seem to really do adapting to the opposition does does fark as, as at the moment it might be something that once he gets settled he might bring in but yeah we haven't seen that so far and i guess it's probably looking the same out of possession then martin yeah i'd probably say so i think we probably will try to press bristol quite high um, I think that is something which they can be vulnerable to. I've seen a few of the games, we won the game that I watched um, when I think it was against West Brom. They were ca- ca- causing them quite some problems with, with with their press. It was kind of like a mid to high press which West Brom were using and it was causing them a fa- fair few problems. And I think that game ended nil-nil but it could have easily been a West Brom win, I, I felt. And I think that is something that we'll look to continue to be that mid block, sorry, mid stroke high press like we like to do. Yeah, just just to go back to the in possession stuff. Sorry, the, I think the only difference we might see is the I guess his, his personal dependence. So if it's Shackleton or Ailing at f- uh, right fullback, and then whoever at left fullback, and then the same with the wingers, we can kind of affect which side we build up on and there which which side we're focusing attacks on. So I think that'll be the only difference. But again, it's not really a tactical one is it? it's just more your focus of your attack on yeah it's, it's still the same it's just firm flipped up flipped around which side is doing the the build up more heavily on yeah um and then yeah in terms of the opposition stuff i've got yeah, nothing to add there i think it's just gonna we'll, we'll probably press them high but i can't see anything massive difference for this one is there a player you can see having a big impact on the outcome of this game martin i think the midfield pair i think gray and ampadu I will have a big impact on, on this game. Um, I think they've got a pretty solid midfield partnership in Matty James and who is there? Is it Joe Williams? Yeah. Yes, Joe Williams. So you, you've got Matty James, who is more of their deeper lying midfielder. Um, so he would operate more more like Ampadu, I guess. And then Joe Williams is more of the standard eight. That's actually helped by their shirt numbers is six for Matty James and eight for Joe Williams. So <laughs> it pairs up quite nicely. Um, but yeah, I think that those two will be a bit of a handful. And I think 
Ampadu and Gray will have to be on on their best games to do this. When, but that shouldn't be an issue. Ampadu has usually been playing at a high level for every game that we've seen so far. Um, so yeah, I think those two are important. And I think just in general, our defensive unit, because if they do decide to press us, um, it w- could put us under a decent amount of trouble, really. And I think if we, if we want to get anything out of this, we need to be able to build up to, in the right way. And so we'll need them to be on there at the top of their game. Basically, that's what I would say on this. Yeah, just to add to that, I think for that reason, I'd want to see Stroik and Rodon uh, keep their play. Well, Stroik, I think, is a given now. Uh, but... I'd rather see a road on over Cooper just because I think I think it gives that a bit more security in possession and like the, I think the build ups just better with the left and right side. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. Yeah, nothing real else really to add there. I think from me. So, do you want to have a crack at a predicted lineup? Yeah. So the only ones I'm not sure on is um, Roden. Obviously, he picked up a bit of a knock during that game on his shoulder, so I'm not sure how he will have recovered after it. He could have got through on on adrenaline. And he may have actually injured himself during during that because it did look quite painful. Um, he was down for a fa- fair amount of time, so if he's out, that would cause us some issues. Um, but I would maybe, if that is the case, I would maybe like to see Cresswell given a go. Um, could, yeah, I'd agree. Let's just see see how he ha- he handles himself because we can't just keep relying on Cooper all the time. Let's give give Cresswell a go if we're going to see him develop and get get into being part of the squad. That is someone that I, w- I would like to see. Um, I, but I would imagine that he will be ailing at right back unless Shackleton um, is back from whatever injury he's p- picked up because he wasn't in the game at all. Or say he wasn't even on the bench in, in, yeah. in midweek. So it could have just been that he, he had a knock so that they want to bring him along. Um, but yeah, hopefully he is available and we can bring him in at right back. But if not, ailing will be there. And Byron at left back. Uh, Melier in goal. I would guess Camera would come in this time um, alongside Ampadu. Because I, th- I think they maybe we're looking to have a bit of a rotation thing going between those two, which is good. Keeps them both fresh for games. And then further up, I would hope to see Anthony again. Actually, uh, he did. He did yeah, he, I liked he, Anthony yeah. against QPR. He did very well. Uh, so I'd like I'd like to see Anthony and Somerville continue. But I think it, there is potential for maybe Somerville to get taken out just to, to protect him a little bit. Because I think he has played a fair amount recently, but he has been very good at the same time. So it wouldn't surprise me if he still continued playing because of how good he has been. And then it will most likely be Perot and Ruter up front. Yeah, I get again nothing really for me to add here. I think I, I did like Bamford when he came on, but I don't think it's time for him to start. And I no. don't think this is the game to do it in either. Um, also, he must be injured from that massive tackle that he had in the 90th minute as it's well. True. So um, it's true. Yeah. Bamford the cheat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gets me every time. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was that. Brilliant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only the only thing I was thinking is that if Shackleton's fit, maybe comes in for Byron. But then I'm also like, there's an, isn't there an international break after this? I think so. That so like, would like, is there any need to rest someone if they've then got two weeks off? That's true. <laughs> but I guess it depends uh, on the players who are going to be away with their countries. Um, obviously, you'll have. I any... don't think Sam Byron is. No. Definitely not. I'm Byron, but Ampadu, James, and Roden all are. They, they've all been called up. And I guess Archie Gray might be away with the um, England youth level. I don't know which one. Yeah, but we managed to keep him away last time. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to fly again. But potentially. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see if we can maybe get him knocked in this game, hopefully. 
yeah, nice little 50th minute sub. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah. Have two weeks on just, the beach. Just, Thank you. Li- <laughs> just a limp a bit as you're coming off, actually. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just limp a bit. Make it look genuine. Yeah. But yeah, all the, all the usual 50-50s with caveats, as usual. Um, but yeah, nothing more to add to what you had to say. So let's talk about the game a bit more generally then. So what do you expect watching this game of football will look like? Well, I think we will probably have more of the ball. But there will be times where Bristol do possess it too, so it won't be quite as clear cut as the, this game against QPR we've just had. They won't sit in a low, a low block. They will be more of a mid block side who will look to steal the ball off us around the halfway line rather than pressing as high. Um, but there is potential for them to press as high as well. So, so that's, that's the only thing I'm not sure on, on how this will plan out. If they do press as high, then we could be caused some issues, I think especially if they are smart in the way that they do presses. Um, I think Southampton really nailed that. So they've really set the standard on how to press us and cause the problems, which is to press quite narrowly and to ensure that we don't have options in midfield, which really did put us under pressure. So if that is the case, then it could be a bit of a basketball game, really, and go both ways. Both teams looking to attack into the space that these transitions will leave behind, where both teams are winning it around the halfway line. Um, but I do think that our quality should tell through. I think we do have a much higher quality squad than what they do have. Uh, I don't want to be disrespectful to them because they do have some good players, especially for this level. Um, but especially in terms of the, our attack in comparison to their attack, it's levels of difference and we should have too much for them in in this. I'm hoping that an early goal happens similar to against QPR. But this time we actually put put it to bed a little sooner. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that again that this might look similar to the QPR game. I think they, there's a few things that I see that Bristol City do that QPR did against us, or Bristol City could do that QPR did against us. So it would not surprise me if we felt like watching the same game twice. To be honest, um, but yeah, like you say, I think it will be important for us to get it, and preferably an early goal, but the first goal at least and then Mm -hmm. yeah like you say hopefully we can kill it a bit sooner this time fingers crossed last question as always then so where will this game be won or lost I think it'll be won by whoever deals with the the opposition's attack the best so that sounds a strange thing and the way I've put it maybe is weird as well but what I mean by that is whoever deals with the threats that the opposition team has in the best way so if Bristol can manage to stop our attackers from being effective then that that will put them in good good shape to to have the ball themselves and attack. So if if they're able to win the ball off us in before we get really going in our attack and quickly attack us, then that could be it. So combination of stopping attackers and hitting in transition, I think, is just two things which I think both sides will probably do best at because we are generally best at attacking in space as well, despite our possessional nature in general. Yeah, I, th- I think it could be won or lost in the way that Bristol City approached this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, like you've you mentioned a few times, like if they come out in high press, yes, it will hurt us, but I think it could potentially play into our hands a little bit if we can play through it, which we have struggled at times. Um, so we'll see how that works out. But if they sit deep and absorb pressure, I think that could also be similar to what we saw against like a Sheffield Wednesday, for example. Um, so yeah, I think I think and I don't like to say that it relies on how one team approaches the game, but I think what kind of linking back to the previous question what this game of football will look like is pretty much dependent on Bristol City yeah um, so I think it'd be interesting to see what Nigel Pearson does indeed I would agree with that um, if if he does look to press us then it could 
really change the games in one of two ways. Either we crumble under the pressure when what happened against Southampton, or maybe they try to press us and aren't as good at pressing as what Southampton were, which then leaves lots of space for us to attack into. So yeah, it could go a few different ways depending on how they approach it. And I will, I will finish the preview by saying that Adam, just before he, he left us after doing the review, uh, said that we're definitely going to win this game. So if we don't, it's his fault. Yes, I would say the same. Definitely his fault. <laughs> and we will wrap it up there then. So I will do a quick Patreon plug as usual. So over the last few weeks, we put out some bonus podcasts out on our Patreon. And for those of you who don't know, Patreon is a platform where people can pay money to support creators that they enjoy and receive some bonus content in return. We put out some uh, Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles, and our patrons also get all our podcasts ad-free, plus early access to our preview pods, such as this one that you are listening to now. We're thinking next week that we're going to do a a bonus podcast, as it's the international break. I believe it's the international break anyway, but when it is the international break, we will do a bonus pod. We're thinking a QA and a at the moment, unless we come up with a better idea. Um, So if you aren't a patron and fancy putting in your questions for us to answer you can uh, join now if you head over to patreon.com forward slash asaw patreon we will be back at some point after the bristol city game uh, to review that game and like i mentioned we will also be doing a bonus pod next week but until then i will say thank you very much to martin and thank you too tom thank you and thank you everyone for listening Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.